Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the fine folks at Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia, from which all of these panels were recorded at Metatopia 2017. It's also thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers. Now let's get to the show. Episode 141. What scares you about making your game? Presented by Darren Watts, Christopher O'Neill, and Roberta Taylor. Everybody's always like, can I just sit and heckle you? Or you can participate. Lovely, yeah. This is totally audience participation panel. What's the name of this panel? What? What's the name of this panel? This is uh, What Scares You. About getting your game out and uh, like you know how can how can we fix it? Yes, right, yeah. Well, it's a panel of pure existential dread. We're just gonna we're just gonna say into the darkness what we're afraid of, right? And see what comes back. Exactly. Right. We will curse the darkness rather than lighting a candle. In the traditional, in the traditional ways of our people. Of our people. We will hide. We will hide in the basement. Yes. I, don't think it's I was like, are you actually putting up a thing? But no, you're just restoring the... I'm restoring okay. it too. It's I original. thought you maybe had like a presentation or something and I was going to be all impressed with it for a moment. <laughs> Literally, I have done two panels already today where people came in with just like ludicrous amounts of like, I have a projector and PowerPoint and all this other stuff. And I'm like, Last I year I wrote a panel and I made a giant, uh, uh, beautiful PowerPoint on UI design and we looked at two slides <laughs> and we, that's how far we got. And that's I was how far like, we oh, got. Yeah, right. that's never going to work. Excellent. <laughs> All right, are we actually going to? Not this one. There we go. Okay, give up now. Right, yeah. It's not making it. What scares you? This mic. The poster behind you. Right, yeah, clearly. Hot, hot mics. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hello. The, uh, what time is it? I think we're about to start. <laughs> but now it was the other side. See, you know, what scares me is the fact that I really want to go put that back up. Again. Resist the urge. All right. Yeah. It's not done yet. It's coming. There it goes. There we go. Yeah. Bang. Complete, complete failure. <laughs> All right. Let's put that back in between us. There's one right here. Oh. Look at this. There's, it's all mic'd up. Any kind of mic. Roberta has two. Okay. She's in, uh, she's in. Alrighty. Uh, hi, I'm Darren Watts. I'm uh, the managing director of Envoy. I used to own Indie Press Revolution and Hero Games, and then I got out of the owning things business, and now I freelance for a bunch of different people. Uh, Star Trek, uh, Doctor Who, uh, and I'm currently working for uh, GTG doing the Sentinels of the Multiverse RPG. Yeah, yeah. I'm Chris O'Neill from Ninth Level Games, and I am a designer and publisher. Uh, We make role-playing games, and we make uh, other strangeness, which is just an easier way of saying we make all the other stuff, too. Hmm. Um, I'm Roberta. I am a game designer um, by 
because I like it. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I got for you. Sure, <laughs> sure. What are you drinking? Uh, Contrato Aperitivo. Ah, excellent. Also. All right, so this, unlike most panels uh, that we have here for this, this one is very much 100% about audience participation. Um, you know, this is one where we're going to get most of our content from you guys. Uh, and the topic is what, is, what is scaring you? What is in your way that is keeping you from finishing uh, the game that you're working on or starting at all the game that you want to do? Uh, and how can we get, help you get past that? When we say, uh, you know, what's scaring you, we're kind of being a bit facetious because there are plenty of rational things that might be in your way that, uh, you know, don't necessarily have like the emotional component of, oh, I'm frightened of it, um, but are still things that maybe you feel like you don't understand or things that you, you know, don't know how to get past or whatever. And we are happy to help with that as well. So who here, uh, you know, for the group uh, is working on a game design of some sort and is stuck, uh, you know, in doing so. That's one. Okay, two, sort of. Okay. I, I was going to say. Well, what are the rest of you here we, for? We've determined that his fear is raising his hand. Is clearly getting his hand high up enough to be seen. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So we'll come back to you guys in that case. So what are the rest of you guys here for? And like, what use can we be to you? Uh, you know. Uh, if, if, if you are not blocked from something. Uh, I'm just having difficulty getting started. Like, I have ideas. Okay. But um, I keep getting stuck on uh, setting versus system versus nitty-gritty mechanics and tend to have issues trying to start with one, move to the other. Right. Just keep running circles around yourself and then Okay. All right. Well, I would put you in with these guys in that case, where that you do have a you've you've got a game in you that's trying to get out, and for whatever reason, it's you know you're having trouble, you know, completing that process or getting to, uh, you know, like a, a comfortable working state. I made the joke that Darren asked me to be on this panel because of a game that I'm working on that he wants <laughs> that to I want buy very much to see and to and, buy. Uh, Tell me about your game. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, the, 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 the reality is, is you know, I, I, and, and we can dive into lots of different ways to slice this up, but at the end of the day, uh, what are the impediments are going to be different for the person, but ways to get around them are sort of universal. Right. Right? And um, honestly, the, even the impediments aren't going to be that different. There's a lot that are common to this particular process, right? Yeah, and we've true. all gone through this. Everybody has had, you know, like the project that they couldn't, even if you've done 50 of them, the 51st might be the one that trips you up, right? I mean, it's, you know. The, so um, my, like my personal process is scatter, right? I'm like super ADD. Like I have a giant whiteboard. Like my entire office is a whiteboard. Um, like the wallpaper is whiteboard, so you can just write on the walls like a crazy person. <laughs> um, and I just constantly work on an idea, and then I just give it up, right? But I never abandon it. I'm just done with that idea for this moment, and I shelf it, right? You see, uh, another, another of my, my illustrious brethren in the <laughs> army of ADHD writing uh, uh, and then, you know, and then I just come back to it, right? And it's really about creating a system to allow yourself to 
come back to those ideas, right? right? Now, this particular game that we're talking about here is this game called Issues, and it's I'm, I'm having the problem of letting it go, right? Which is not normally my problem, right? So I got my start in gaming. Um, this is a good story. Um, <laughs> I have closed that door like 45 times today. <laughs> the... Uh, um, I got my start uh, professionally in gaming uh, with a game called Cobalt Date My Baby, which was a couple of pieces of paper that I printed out and stapled together. And it was very much in the, well, we're just going to put it out there because that's the only way we're going to move on. Because we had spent three years working on a fantasy heartbreaker that would have broken our hearts and our bank accounts and our lives if we had ever made it. But those couple of pieces of paper with funny pictures in it, you know, that was 25 years ago. Right. <laughs> so. The. Well, what about you? Whenever we encounter a designer that comes into a game design group and they have a project that's their baby, we always say, what else are you working on? And if they say nothing, we say, go start something else. Because when you get stuck on this, you need to switch to something else, and then all of a sudden the thing that you were stuck on that was bugging you will seem, at a random moment, oh, and you can go back to it. And I think even for starting, having trouble starting, maybe that your dream game is really big and maybe you can take a little piece of it and, and give yourself permission to make a tiny little game that will give you that thing to work on while in the background, you know, all that stuff continues processing. Right. Change is as good as the rest. Kind yeah, of thing, exactly. Right? yeah, exactly. I'm a huge fan of tiny little games, um, both as a thing to play but also as a way to work out a design kink. Because a lot of times, one of the things that's getting in the way is there's this cool, shiny idea, uh, and you're just trying to force it in where it doesn't belong. So sometimes making it its own little tiny game gives you permission right, to, right. to get rid of it. Even if that tiny game or whatever is never itself going to go anywhere, just it having it down and done. I'm a, well, and right. that's, you know, uh, you talk about fears. Like, so my biggest problem I'm, I'm so glad that all of you came to listen to my problems, my, yeah. my internal <laughs> monologue tonight. Um, my biggest problem has always been uh, good enough, right? Sure. I don't right. want the game to just be good enough, right. right? I want everything I make to be amazing, and that's just not real, right? Like, I mean, sometimes you just have to say, oh, well, that's good enough. And, and I found the way around that over my, the last 20 years of my career by working with partners, right? right. Working alone you're never going to know that it's enough because you can always do another edit pass. You can always add another piece. You can always write another chapter. Right. Uh, you can always just throw the whole book out and start all over again, right? I, like well, I literally just yeah. said, you know. <laughs> but if you have someone else that's As, as somebody no. who actually makes big games, you just scare me to death, but yes. Right? Yeah. Well, so. I mean... If you ever threw out one of the, if you got to the whole end of the book, but like like issues, like I got, I've like I've rewritten that rule book like four times, right, from yeah. scratch, because right. I'm a crazy Only person. Four? Only four. Dude. But I have other games. I'm making other games. It's not the only thing I'm doing. <laughs> and I have a day job. As as John <laughs> knows intimately well, I make really big books when I'm doing it, and so I don't ever. Uh, there's it, it's hard for me to take that strategy of it, right? Because of like cutting off a small part and working on it. Correct. Um, because, you know, everything. But the advantage that I have is uh, a lot of the products that I make are so kind of like large and wide ranging that I can just wander over to another topic. 
on it. Right, you can stay within that the, same kind you can of stay like within the piece. I'm still within the piece that I'm doing, but I can wander over and like hit something else for it, uh, you know, and say, okay, you know, the guns are bugging me, or this, you know, like combat mechanics are bugging me about this. Thing. I'm going to go write some history or whatever, right, and have the opportunity to just make that change. So, two parts. When do you know to let it go? Right. So you ask what we're all doing here. I'm going to support to make him let go. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I've talked to a bunch of designers here. Right. I hear three years, five years, six years, eight years. I'm like, dude, you're going to die with this game. If you count them in years, you've already you, made a you've mistake. You've already lost. Right. Yeah. Right. And the second part of that question is, you said, well, so who, who is judging you? Right. You're the one. If you get it out there and five people love it, that's five people that never saw the game who can love it. I explain your feeling on, on that. Real realistic expectations about your game is a very important part of this process. Um, so uh, what's 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 really funny is is now in this modern age when most of us have tiny computers in our pockets, except for Darren, um, who has a phone. <laughs> phone. Uh, the, uh, uh, we have so much more information, we have so much more access to games than we ever did before, so especially, I mean, to make a little game, it's so easy to put it in front of people. All the barriers of entry have been brought down. I've never been lower. Never been lower. If, right. you, if you have a creative vision, you can get something out, right? And so the, the, the decision process that you need to make to say, when is it enough, right? One of the great things is is putting a game out doesn't mean the game's done. Right. It can be iterative, right? Right. Um, it's about setting what are those expectations, right? Like, so uh, if this is your first game, it's a very different expectation than where Roberta is at or where Darren's at. Like, so Darren's point, your, your point, right? Like, when when you get hired to do something or you've, you've pieced it, you're like, oh, I have to write this 300-page book. Right. I've never written a 300-page book in my life. The idea of 300 pages is, to me, I would be like, oh, that's 14 books. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, yeah. That's, that's, that, is a, that is a lifetime of work. <laughs> <laughs> um, because they're very different, and the expectations are very different. Right. Um, but now I'm at a point where, like, I'm making this game issues that we're talking about, and my expectation is, is I don't want to sell it to 100 people. I don't want to send it to 1,000 people. Right? I want to... I want 10,000 people to play this game. Right. I want 100,000 people to play this game. I think this game could be that. And so it's a very different situation for me because before, I never had any of those fears. I was just like, oh, whatever. Right. If three people want to play my game, awesome. And Kobolds was a wild success beyond your expectations. Beyond anyone's canon yeah, exactly, expectation. Right. The game is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but we built a we built a we built a business around it and those those kind of things. Right. And, and then now we've made some card games and we're in a good position and you know so it's about moving to that piece. But at the beginning, it was just you know, uh, my dad likes to tell the story of me and my buddy Dan sitting in my parents' kitchen, and him being like, "What are you doing?" And we'd be like, "Oh, we're we're printing a book." Like, we took two staplers, and we put them together, and we, we screwed them on with some metal, and we made a saddle stapler, and we literally saddled stapled books. And my dad was like, you guys are weird. <laughs> and then it was like, yeah, we sold 300 copies of this at Gen Con, and he was like, what? I don't... Get out of my house. <laughs> you know, and now it's 20 years later, and he's like, you know, you, you have books, and, you know, you can go to Barnes & Noble. Like, it's crazy. It's weird. Right. Now, when you and Dan were working together on that, though, I mean, you had each other... 
to push you to get that kind of stuff up. I, I was interested to hear right. you say your job is to like make the other guy get his game done. Well, and right? I always had that as a partner, and I said that right, yeah. like because like, I never accountability know is enough. huge for that sort of thing. And as a, I needed as a that motivator, from, I needed yeah. that from outside. Right. Now you talked about working in a group. Do you work in in a group normally? Well, I design alone, but I I rely on it playtesting groups because um, I design board games. Right. Right. And so having a group of other designers who can say this is finished this is you don't you know it's it's good it's come from here to here because it learning to trust your own judgment on that takes time and practice and right. sometimes yes. it's a leap of faith right like I, sometimes you just don't you're not sure and so when someone else goes yeah like this is at a great place trust them Right. You know, Even if it's got to be set up kind of artificially, right? <laughs> Even if it's got to be kind of a thing of like, I need you, your job in this process is to tell me when I have reached that point where I'm just spinning in circles and like no more forward movement has happened, right? Um, so, you know, have that person there to set artificial deadlines that don't actually mean anything except that they will mock you if you don't do it, and right? I, that's, a, that's a great motivator for, you know, for that kind of thing. Right, exactly. And it's, no, it, it, it can be in a tr tremendously important role, you know, like in that creative process of being the person who's just like, no, you're done, stop, put the pen down, you know, get, stand up from the keyboard and like start moving towards the next stage. And like he says, acknowledge that there's always a next stage, right? Like you can always come back to it. You can always do another edition. You can always do, but get it done, get it out in front of people and start the next thing, right? I mean, there's no other way to do that. Now, you know, like the, my entire life is a series of like psychological coping mechanisms, right? To like get over my various, uh, you know, issues with, uh, with procrastination, with, uh, <laughs> my memory problems that I occasionally have. I mean, I have a whole bunch of kind of like artificial things in my life that I have set up to make sure that I do get things done because I freelance full time. Right. right. I mean, this is, this is how I pay my bills and there is nothing like the, you know, uh, uh, potential of, you know, like missing the rent check or whatever to actually motivate you to get things done and turn them into money. Right. If that's not the case for you, then maybe you can kind of like artificially set something up where, you know, you are going to pay some sort of penalty, you know, even if it's just like, if I don't get this out this week, you know what, I can't have any chocolate this weekend, right? Even if it's something as simple and dumb as that for it, give yourself like kind of that level of motivation. What's that? I'm, I'm trying to figure out where the... Oh, is it me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, this thing's too loud. Ready? Yeah. Artificial skin in the game doesn't work for me. Right. Uh, because I'll just I'll get to that point and I'll be like oh but it's artificial um, you know uh, but putting actual skin in the game does does work right because I'm a deadlines oriented kind of person right and like you're saying I'm not working uh, you know my games aren't paying my rent right, right. They're, they're I make the games because I want we try to make good business decisions because we're we, we want to have a sustainable business but you know, a lot of times with games, for us, it can be an art thing, right? We're going to make this game the way we want it, right? Sure. It allows us to do those things. But we found that Kickstarter uh, and, you know, similar types of ideas are creating an expectation that we don't want to drop. We have a reputation, and that is a real deadline, right? That's real skin in the game. I yes. need to deliver this on time or in a reasonable amount of time in what delivering on time in a Kickstarter world means, which is, you know, <laughs> at 35 to 45% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, but, uh, 
but uh, that's 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 been, you know, and it's different for board games because there's so much extra work. You know, when we're talking about doing books, it's like for you a lot of times you get to just you can like vomit forth and then just be like, you guys go do your work now. I'm done. I'm done all my writing and De- all my depends on who's publishing it. And yeah, what, what else I'm responsible yeah. in the process for. But yeah, if I'm freelancing for somebody else, then it's just you know they handed me a job and a date on the calendar. And, you know, like, this is, this is when it gets done. And once again, the skin in the game is, you know, not only will I get, you know, harassed by the owner there for it, but it will be that much harder for me to get the next gig. Correct. Right? If, I've like, if I get a reputation of being somebody who delivers stuff months late for this, I'm going to find it a lot harder to get the next job that I'm, that I'm looking for. So there is always, you know, that, that, that fear, that, you know, like, oh, my God, I really don't want to screw up because I've kind of built something that I really like here for it. The fear of losing that is a powerful and perfectly rational motivator, right? I mean, it's not, you know, so I'm afraid of not getting things done. I'm not afraid of, you know, like finishing a product, you know, for this, which is why I'm trying to, when I, when I see people hitting those points for it, I'm kind of like, you know, Maybe I can help, right? Because I've kind of like I have the exact opposite problem that you have for this, you know. So maybe we can share, uh, you know, processes of actually dealing with it. Uh, one of the things that I've found the coping mechanism—I like that uh, expression—coping mechanism—is uh, not allowing myself to work on something else, right? And uh, my wife's gotten real good at it. She's like, "You're not allowed to work on that game until you finish this." Until you finish this one, yeah, right. <laughs> or at least make some advancement with this one. Yeah. Um, or, or, or you have to put it away, right? If, if, you're willing to, if you're willing to erase it off the board, that's fine. But if you erase it off the board, don't talk to me about it. Right. It's not on the board. <laughs> oh, I had a really good idea for that. Nope, it's not on the board. <laughs> so. Was that striking home? Yeah. What you, do you, got? You, were, you were laughing there? just not true right <laughs> and, and that's the ideas are are so much everywhere once you start paying attention to them it's the hard work from taking them to being an idea to being a thing that's the work but the ideas are lining up there you, you know if you can have one great idea you can have lots of great ideas like, right yes I've never yet met anyone who's been like I only ever had one idea once you start especially once you start really digging in you realize, oh my goodness! Like I'm seeing stuff everywhere, and so I would, I would say I wouldn't. I, I would try to tell yourself because it's true that you will have lots of great ideas. Right. Nobody. I, I don't know a single designer who has time to work on all the ideas they have. For it, right? Yeah, I got a whole so, bunch. You want some? Yeah, I got. A, I right. got a whiteboard. I got. I, I, I got. I got two rejected whiteboards. Well, I'm, right. I'm typically not the creative type. That's and that's what's weird about this. But it was sort of this flash in the pan. You know. Lots of potential. Okay, so so what if it is? So what's yeah. the worst thing that happens in that case? For mm-hmm. right, I mean, it's you know, there's lots of there's lots of there's lots of pieces there, and, and and the idea of being not the creative type. The reality is, is creativity like everything else is a skill set, right? Roberta's point is super accurate. You will begin to see more and more. Right. Um, 
uh, my design partners started out as business partners and then they became design partners then they became designers right now they're making games that are better than me it's, 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 you know it's, it's frightening it's infuriating frankly it's, it's frightening <laughs> yeah. um, but at least I still have graphic skills they can't do that so they still need me to actually make stuff um, they just don't need me to design anything anymore the uh uh, the, the, the reality is as you go down one of these avenues and that's part of uh, you know that's that's a pretty common fear too that like you're just going to run out like you're just done I've I think Roberta's right you just you know you'll get right. done it and you'll find something you'll find something else that you're interested in right my biggest First of all, you're here, and that's huge right. in that process, right? Because there's artists here. There's graphic designers here. Um, there are both, uh, you know, seriously professional artists and graphic designers here with 20, 30 years experience for it. And there are beginning graphic designers and artists here who are here themselves to, you know, like see if there's a, a way that they can do something in the industry with it, right? So just making those contacts, just being here... And you know, putting yourself out there as somebody who's looking for you know, like a, a an artistic partner or somebody to work with for it, is a huge step in doing that. Right? Um, that that other person is out there. That being said, you know, the 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 standards for uh, you know for art and that sort of thing in somebody's first game don't necessarily have to be that high, that elaborate. Maybe you don't, maybe it's something where you can buy, you know, like appropriate clip art or something like that for it at a relatively minimum cost. You know, there are deals that you can work out for this and just bootstrap that operation up to, you know, like a level. And you, you may look at it and be like, boy, I really wish I could afford to, you know, like have better art. I say that every day with every product that I go. <laughs> like, I will never be satisfied with I the amount the and quality of art in my product. I say that when I'm doing. I could art. have, I could hire Leonardo da Vinci to do like my book for it, and I would still be like, yeah, you know, I could have really, if I, boy, if I'd come up with another couple grand, boy, I bet I could have gotten Michelangelo instead or something, and that right? You know, time travel machine, right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's you. You never have to be satisfied with it, but you, there are ways to kind of like build that process up, right? Actual hard tools, right? So, um, are you familiar with the game The Black Hack? Right, so it's a anyone else the black hack? So it's a it's a it's a little OSR, you know, role playing game. It's right. great. It's literally what I run Dungeons the Dragons with, right? It has no art. It's got a black cover. It's made a word, right? Right. It's one of the top selling games on Drive Through RPG because it's good, right? right? Because at the end of the day, 
especially in the role-playing space, content is king, right? You need to look professional. It doesn't need to look amazing, right? Now, it's very different in the board game world, right? It's very different in that. But no one, anyone that self-finances a board game today deserves to lose their house, <laughs> right? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Don't, right. don't, don't, don't do it. But you can get a role-playing game out into the public. You can get a board game if you have some rudimentary graphic skills onto Game Crafter and people can play it. Uh, our friend Ben, just he just won a contest on Game Crafter for this really cool uh, cooperative game called Faza. It's like this like space aliens, like 1950s Cold War style, but through the eyes of an Iranian-American. It's really rad. Cool. Um, but he put it out on Game Crafter, and you can buy it on Game Crafter, right? And he didn't... It, it, it cost him like 200 bucks in art, right? You know? Um, one thing that you can do, and this is like I said about a hard tool, is there's a thing called the Noun Project. Familiar with the mm-hmm. Noun Project? Yes. Right? So the Noun Project is a website um, that collects uh, graphic work from artists all over the world. It's just basically clip art. Right. right? It's modern icons in a world where we live with iconography. Because they found that designers, right? Now, they were originally thinking, like, training manual designers, content designers, web designers. They don't have the abilities to, like, be like, oh, well, I need to go draw a picture of a dude being chased by a a dog. But someone did it before. And if I could just borrow that. And it's all Creative Commons. Right. So you can use it. And you can just do attribution when you start. And then, you know, there's like an upgrade level where you can just buy access to it. Right. Yeah. There's a bunch of individual artists who do projects like that, who's, you know, like a side piece of their career is putting out, you know, like really cheaply available clip art that is available to be used by, you know, pretty much anybody for minimal fees. You know, like what's... Drive Through RPG uh, actually has a whole lot of maps and clip art and those kind of things. Right. At five bucks a piece, ten bucks a piece or whatever. Dyson, um, what's his name? Dyson... Dyson maps are phenomenal, and almost all of them are available. You can buy the the, the pieces, and you can just put them together. Right. But they're yeah. they're fully attributable, so you can just put them in your in your work. There's a lot of that stuff. Absolutely. But I understand like where you're coming from. I mean, you know, uh, the, the old adage that it takes money to make money. You know, but when you get to that point, that's what crowdfunding and other sources are for these days. It's amazing what you can do. It's not. Unknown. Yeah. It's not. No, it's not. Gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, who's this guy? Right. No, Kickstarter doesn't work unless until you've already built an audience. However, you've done that, and there's a hundred ways to build an audience, but you need to have that in place before Kickstarter becomes any sort of like an efficient process for design uh, for, for for making products. And I'd add in the board game space, it's not that hard to get in front of publishers. I mean, you're coming to stuff like this, you're talking to people. You know, let it be known. Right. And and just you know, I'm not great at it, but I've managed to accidentally have access to people because it's not a very big industry. Right. And so when you're participating, when you're showing up at stuff, when you're doing things, and you're talking to people, you know, when you sort of first come in, you're like, oh my goodness, I'll never get, you know, in front of these people. But 
don't don't discount that as a possibility because um, I I don't publish things. I don't have the energy and the money and the mental space for that. I'm very contented to send my prototypes off to publishers and have them say yes or no. And it's like I said, it's not it's not it's not like oh super easy, but it's not that painful. Right. You know, just don't give up that as an option for yourself. And then you don't have to worry about it. I use stuff I steal off DeviantArt and write right on there that I own none of it. It's a prototype only. Because someone else is going to do this for me eventually. Exactly, right. Yeah, like Chris said, content spaces. is king. If the product that you're actually putting in their place, I know, it's yeah. astounding. Uh, that, you know, the, if, if the, the, what you're submitting to a publisher doesn't have to look that great for it if what's in it is worth their time. Right, They're, they know what they can do. They know how to turn something to take somebody's game and make it look good. That's part of their job. That's and in the tabletop you know, space, that's why generally, they, take they don't want. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if you bring a game to me from a tabletop perspective, I mean, role playing's a totally different beast, but uh, in the tabletop space... If, I've got an RPG and a board game. Like, for, for a tabletop game, I don't want your art. Because I'm going to re redo it anyway. Mm -hmm. Like So our, la our, our last card game, Barricades... When the game was brought to us, it was a game about zombies. And we made it a game about forest animals. Because the game was good. The content was good. But it's like, eh, zombies. play a lot of zombies. Yeah. I'm tired of zombies. But what if they were bears? What's the name of that game? Barricades. It'll be available at PAX Unplugged. <laughs> so... Right, yeah. Using the art as a justification, that is just a fear. Like, sure. Don't use that to not work on the game. Right. I, uh, uh, have you ever seen, um, what's, what's, do you know, do you know Luke, Luke Crane's, um, Musketeers game? Do you know what it's called? No. So, I mean, Luke Crane has obviously made a whole bunch of games, and, you know, he's pretty it's a Musketeers game? That sounds awesome, but I haven't oh, made it with it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's built on um, basic Dungeons & Dragons, like, BX, Metzger, like, mm -hmm. but it's uh, French Musketeers versus the Necropolis of the Undead under Paris. No, it's great. Outstanding. But it's a game that, that he made that he was like, hey, I'm not going to get a whole bunch of people to buy this. Right. It's so esoteric and it's so weird. So he just went and he got some, you know, French paintings from the 17th century off of Google image search and, and made a nice looking document and he gave it away. Now he's in a position to give it away. Um, but that kind of thing in this space is totally doable. Because if you have something that's cool, right, that's going to get you that next, that next piece. And to go all the way back to the beginning, right, talking about bringing it down a level might be what's necessary. Right, it's very difficult to be like, here's my 300-page tome, that I don't have the I don't have the resources to be a publisher of, but anybody can have the resources to be the publisher of a 48-page book. Right, that gets you to well, the point. On Thursday, I sold a game to Chronicle, uh, that you know, like my contribution to them for this was uh, 50 slips of paper in plastic sleeves and a four-page rule set, right. And they bought it outright. They're going to make it look pretty. That's their job. You know, that's that's why I brought it to them, right? And specifically, I brought it to them because it's a meme game, right? It's based on the uh, We Raid Dogs Twitter account. Heather loved it. And good, did she? Awesome. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I brought it to Chronicle literally because they're Grumpy Cat's publisher. They know how to do mean stuff, right? Like, they, they can they can put this, you know, like anywhere, right? This is the, I, I found the publisher that would be ideal for this, right? So actually, like, taking the time to go out and, like, find the right company that is going to be interested in the game that you do. I mean, go out to the publishers of your favorite games, right? Like, look, you know figure out who they are and figure out like how to you know how to contact them how to reach them follow their guidelines if they're assuming that they have them you know for submissions to the letter because that's your first test uh and just put it in front of them it's it, it's not necessarily going to be your job to make this game look good right yeah, so i've seen more and more board game publishers starting to put out lists of this is what i'm looking for this year like right yeah. we're interested in right and they have a, a list which makes it super easy um, not only know what they've done in the past, but sometimes they'll even tell you what they want to do. What next, they're looking for, is, yeah. Then, if you fit that, it, yeah, there's no and there's no risk. I mean, it, you don't even have to mail anything anymore. It's all email. So. Yeah, in the board game space, this is I, we haven't done it yet, but we want to. Uh, we're going to switch over to doing um, like the next level prototypes in tabletop simulator. So much like the digital space, there isn't even mail. Right. You can be like, oh. Here's the link. <laughs> and, you know, go to conventions, go to shows for these, meet people. A lot of conventions have some version of, you know, uh, speed dating or something like that for this, where they, you know, like you come with a, you know, a, a prototype and then just talk to a series of publishers and you've got, you know, two minutes to make a sale to them for it and, you know, exchange cards and move on to the next table, right? And you get really good at pitching that way, right? If you do, you know, 30 pitches in 90 minutes or whatever for this, you'll be way better at doing it 90 minutes later than you were, you know, when you started, so. So I got the curated set of sales sheets for BGG speed dating as a publisher because they wanted anybody, right, yeah. right? And the level of difference from one to the other on the sales sheet with the graphic abilities are laughable. Like one person, it's like, oh, you have a job that you know how to use PowerPoint. And the next one is, is like, you have a job that you don't know what a computer is, right? But again, it doesn't matter because the idea is, is your idea interesting? Does it fit a hole that we're looking for? Right. Right? Like I say to people all the time, do you have a game that has, uh, that's about science or cute animals? We would like to talk to you. If it can be about science and cute animals, we definitely <laughs> want to talk to you. If you are like, I have a game that's about Napoleonic, it's like, nope, and we're done. Right. I don't, I don't, you know, it's just never going to happen. So. <laughs> in, in flasks? That's a perfect, perfect, perfect follow-up to Schrodinger's Cats. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're right on it. You're, you're hitting right, right in our Venn diagram. John. Hi, John. I have a fear. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Yes. Um, so I have a fear that uh, my next, the new thing I'm making is so radically different from my first thing. Right. But there is still an expectation of, oh, John, you made $40,000 per thousand backers on your first project, but now you've moved into this totally new arena where you've never done anything, but now you at least have $45,000 in 2,000 backers. No. Well, I know that on an intellectual level, Chris. It's <laughs> Does success have to be hierarchical? Yeah, I think people want it to. Like, it's really funny. When you talk to Kickstarter experts, okay. they will all tell you that your next Kickstarter should be bigger than your first Kickstarter. Yes, that's what right. they told me this morning. 
Right. Yes. Right. And, 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 and you know what I say to them? You're wrong. Because every product's different. My Cobalt Kickstarter is totally different than our card game Kickstarter. It's totally different than the one we're doing right now, the tragedies of middle school. Right? We did one earlier that was uh, this year that was, uh, we did it for a week. Right? It was 3000 bucks Because it was, you know, a game about being rappers. Right? Who cares? Right? Uh, it, the, I think the, it's the, a, there's a, yeah, no, there, the public awareness of that, public, the, the, to the extent that the public pays attention to that, and that is a greatly exaggerated perception. Correct. Um, there is a sense of like, oh, my, you know, if, if you do a $50,000 Kickstarter, $100,000 Kickstarter, and then you even go up with your next one as a small one, uh, they will, there, there is a tendency to look at like, you know, does this guy know what he's doing, right? Oh, like, right, why, right, yeah. why did this, yeah, why, why did you go down? I, I, but I think that there's a tendency in the, especially in the, the, uh, the non-RPG side, because the RPG side of the market is sub $10,000 and a million dollars. That's like what we're at right, now, yeah. right? Like, it's, right. It's, it's the stuff that I make and the stuff that Monty Cook makes, right? Like, right. they're just like, they're two totally different universes. Um... But in the board game world, there's such a there's and there's this expectation of like growing over time, and uh, a really good example of that was uh, Tiny Epic, the Tiny Epic series, right? Um, they took a, a side turn and they failed miserably, yeah. right? Uh, and everyone was like, "Oh, well, they're done." And I was like, "What do you mean?" Right. Just because the game's not called Tiny Epic, Tiny Epic, right? I, I, you know, so yeah, is there a fear in that? Uh, I can tell you personally, having watched different Kickstarters of my own go like this, I got over that fear. Yeah. Right? Cause it's, but you, you are correct. I mean, but it's, it's the sophomore slump anyway. Right? You, you, you do your first big thing, and then is the next one going to be any good? The thing that everyone always forgets, and this is true in music, and I generally do talk about music and game design in the same, because we're the same people. Uh, you spend a huge amount of time getting to the first one. You never spent. You don't spend anywhere near that amount of time on the second one, right? Right. And so it's never. You, you, you never have that depth, right? If you're if you're good, you've learned, and you can build on your success, right? Well, but, you've traded one axis for another one to like work on. Well, that's right. what you're hoping, yeah. right. right? Hopefully. But if you take a hard left turn, you know, right. make the best thing you can make. That's what I did before. So yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, like, we're not talking about a fear that's actually going to slow you down from doing your second one, right? I mean, it's like one thing, it's a, yeah, yeah okay, spend a night sitting around worrying about that and right. put well, it aside and move on to the next thing. Game, my first fear was all my friends are winning Eddie's, and I haven't won one for my work. I've always wanted to do another people's work. Right. So I'm going to get kicked out of the cool kids club if I don't make it. Like right. And everybody here who has not won an any is suddenly like wants to come kick your ass to start out with. So that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Sure. No. I have no awards. I wrote seventy-seven drafts before I was done. Right. I would change one word and then write a brand new draft. It took me six years. Right. But I that that game is everything I wanted to be. Right. And now I'm like, okay, I know what a new table. I'm gonna go. How long are you planning to spend on the second one? Uh, until it kills me. So. So okay. Right. Right. Sure. Okay. Well, then you've got plenty of time to get over that one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, I've never done a card thing like, at all before. I've played, one, I've played Magic twice. Right. And I'm like, I want to try cards. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay, I guess ignorance is bliss. 
I well, it, yeah, well, it certainly beats being afraid, yes, absolutely, so, <laughs> you know. I'll just roll with it then. Right. <laughs> but also remember that expertise in one field does not mean expertise in all the fields. Oh, I'm willing. Yeah. Sure. I think that's a, one of those things that, you know, anybody that comes to a panel that says, let's talk about the things that are holding me back or I'm afraid of, go, is aware, right? Because the people that aren't aware would never do that. They're just like, la la la, happily charge along. I'm a master of everything. I'm so smart. Right. And then I fall off the cliff, right? So. Well, and ideally, once again, like an operation like this, shows like this are, you know, we, we do our best to try to catch those guys too, right? I mean, it's, you know. You can only catch them so far. Right, exactly. And they're, to, to a certain extent, they're immune to being told. Correct. Until it actually, like, happens and they go out and, like, blow a fortune on their game that they, you know, that, that they really shouldn't have. Uh, and multiple efforts, you know, to warn them away fail. But, uh, you know, we're trying to get better about that, too, as a community, right? We're I, trying I think to be are. a little, uh, yeah, so. Um, you guys talked to just a lot about You're like, cool, I'm just going to put this out. I'm going to publish. That's a really giant, scary thing to do. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But you, how did you get on? I mean, how were you? This is pre-Kickstarter. You guys were just like, I'm publishing my book. I'm putting it out. Self-publishing. I, I, my story is so unduplicable that it will, it's completely useless to anybody else. Okay. But in my case, I was hired as a consultant for a group that had a stupid amount of money and decided that they wanted to buy a game company. They thought that would be a cool thing to do with the ridiculous amount of money they made in the 90s as, you know, programmers. <laughs> and that group fell up, decided to buy a, a game company. In this case, it was Hero Games uh, that had been kind of lying dormant for a long time with a great deal of IP behind it and thousands of people on their website complaining about the absence of any new products. And so our tone was kind of like, wow, I bet if we made a book, these guys would buy it, right? And I was one of those people on that board. Uh, due to uh, corporate malfeasance within that group uh, that uh, you know, originally came together, I actually wound up being president of that company. Uh, due to process not, of elimination not, not above me. Not your own corporate malfeasance. Not of my, yeah, no, not mine, no, of the people above me in it for it. And I wound up, I wound up owning like, a game company and a bunch of IP uh, and half of the process and half of a manuscript to you know towards uh, uh, the next book and I put it out anyway with almost no money and I sold 25,000 copies of it in the first two months so it's I have very little useful advice about how to do it any other way right it's not uh, I it would scare it would scare me to death to go out and try to build something from zero right I bought a company I bought a game that already at that point was 17 years old, 18 years old, right? And had thousands of fans already for this. That's not really an option for most people, right? Well, no, yeah. It's a real you, good one. You find, find, find one of those, then like yeah, do your guys. thing, right? So, yeah. So I, I have nothing but admiration for people who start from nothing for it. I've literally never done that. So, yeah. Uh, Recently, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about bootstrapping, right? which is a term that we like to talk about, which means to come, you know, pick yourself up from nothing. 
But it originally did not mean that. Right. It originally meant you have nothing, so you can never go anywhere. Because all you because you can't pick yourself up by your bootstraps. That's an impossibility. At some point, there was an inversion where that went from being well, because a it's, thing... it's it's in violation of the American dream, right? Like, we well, yeah, but, but, that but we would mean, you would yeah. say it to people to be like, you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps until somebody did, right? And then they were like, oh, now that the expression means, oh, that's an amazing thing. You can pull yourself up by right. your bootstraps. Do this, yeah. do this incrementally or whatever, like you know, build it up, and it, and it does, you know, it it can be done that way. There are multiple people who can, you know, you can walk around a show like this. And find people who built their company up from nothing, right? Started with $500 and a good idea, you know, and turned that into a company. It does happen, but it's not easy, you know? These days, I think trying to do something small is the way to get over any fears or any problems because you can, right? right? You can make a small thing. You can put it out. I mean, make, you make a small game. You give it away, right? You can do that. Right. Um, there's also contests. Right. We we live in the heyday. I had more fun last year with the 200 word RPG contest than I did doing almost anything else. Right. You know because it was creative. It was interesting to get something out there. And for a lot of people, you know, that that's that's scratching that itch and it's getting you over. You do that a couple of times, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, now I get that I can see. Point A, point B, point C. I can get a project done. And I can get it out the door, and allows you to grow into that next project. Right. This next thing's only a little bit harder, right? It's only two hundred fifty words. Right. Yeah, or whatever. Right. But one, once you've seen yourself pages. walk through that process, once you've seen yourself do something, even if it's a one-page game or whatever, for it, once you've seen it through that process, that next one's not going to look so big, right? That next thing of like, oh, here's my five-page game, here's my twenty-page game, or whatever. Like in each case, you know. That, that, that iterative process, that building process of, of you know, putting these things together, you're going to learn something every time you do it, and you're going to feel more comfortable with the process. And each time you say, I'm just going to take on a little bit more this time, right? So. And I always come back to why I do this, and everyone's reasons are going to be slightly different. I do it because I love it. So I have a published game, and then I have a bunch of games that are finished but don't have homes and then I have another contract I have another published game and but the in-between stuff is important because I learned all right. these things and it was right. valuable and and there's there's nothing wrong with that because for me that's still accomplishing what I'm setting out to do and the publishing stuff is phenomenal um, but it's not actually where my real joy lies right and so definitely Ask yourself, why, what is the most important about this to me? What do I really love? Because make sure you're not setting an expectation by what everyone thinks you should do with that game instead of saying, well, is that what I really need to feel happy? Or am I happy to say, hey, my brother-in-law thinks this is the best game ever, and that's good enough, and I'm going to work on a new project, and we'll see where that takes me. Because I right. think, too, it's always that, that practicing your craft is really going to get you somewhere and whether or not along the way you reach all these milestones is maybe not the most important thing unless it's the actual milestones that are really important to you. Right. Massively important what you just said and kind of counter to the way we were talking, but I think hugely important. We, we often forget because we like to talk about the games industry like it's a business that creates products. And for some people it is, right? And I run a business and we run it like a business. But... 
we are making art, right? And so art's about practicing your craft. Um, you, you have to write a hundred songs before you write a good one. And then you have to write a thousand songs so you can get an album, you know? That, that, that's a super true statement about this, you know? You have to be making things. Right. Uh, you, you don't just have one in you, right? It, it's very uncommon for, you know, a, a strike of inspiration, you get a thing, you make it, and then you're done. And right. then you walk away into the sunset, you know? And you never make another game, right? That, that one game, and if you're trying to just make that one game, you know, see what else you can have. See what else you can do. If you have that one that's near near the end, you know, you're not ready to let it go. Pick something else, right? right? Do something small. Get yourself ready for it, right? It's the the line Trim from something down. Take the heart, right? Get it out in front of people. It's the line from buy writing. buy buy all the buy the all the IP from from somebody when they <laughs> yeah. When they get there you go. It's the line from On Writing, though, right? Stephen King says, it's, your, your first million words are going to suck. <laughs> what matters is how quickly you get through them. Don't worry about it. Faulkner's first million words suck, too, right? You know, it's, it's, uh, you, when, once you get past that, you know, the process of doing it will make you better, right? You will get good at this. It's, if you, even if you feel now, oh, maybe I only have one game in me, by the time you've gotten that game out and started to look at the next one, you'll feel that next game in you. Right, it'll be there. And don't think that you have to be a publisher. That's 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 big. I'm just right. going to yeah. come back to that because I think a lot of people feel that they have to. It's the only way they're going to make it. Right? There are people that are willing to, to partner. There's people that are willing to to look. You know, and content is king. If it's good, if it's good. Somebody's going to. You know, it's about finding. You know, part of honing your craft is understanding, starting to learn what's good. Right? right? Because we can all make shitty games. I made so many shitty games. <laughs> I still make bad ones. Right. All right. It looks like it is kind of getting time to wrap up. So uh, kind of final last questions, questions final questions anybody's got here for this? Anything else we can help with to the extent that we're helping anybody here? If this was helpful. I right. hope it was helpful. Sure. What's the best way to, uh, besides being here, right. find collaborators? Besides being here and other conventions, and uh, uh, you know, like this, this is not the only show. This is a great show, but it's far from the only show. Well, yeah. Apart from that, there are communities online to, Where do you to like actually do that. Here, in Marstown, in this hotel, in this room, in this room. he's in He's got a cot under there. Close enough, yeah. yeah, there's there's a number yeah. of game design communities here in the Greater New York area. Right. Yeah. Um, they're they're they're. Do you live or you can start one, right? Through organizations like, uh, you know, through, through uh, things like the, what's the, the Brooklyn design group over there? I don't know. It's I don't know. The one that Tim Harvey goes to the for. The, like, Brooklyn Indie Design or whatever they call it? Yeah, Brooklyn Design. Brooklyn Indie. Yeah. Brooklyn Indie Game. Brooklyn Indie Game. Yeah, no, but what's the, what's the physical location for that, that, like, he does stuff through? Is that what's called D20 store? Yeah, there you go. D20 store in Brooklyn. For it. Has a has a thriving community of designers uh, that uh, Yeah, there's like the Game Makers Guild in Boston and there's the Game Makers Guild in um, uh, Philadelphia and right. there's there's one in New Haven now. And if there isn't one near you, there's a bunch of them online as well, right? You know, like join the, you know, 
Honestly, as much fun as we make of it, Google Plus actually has like a large number of game designers who that you know communicate uh, you know in in mailing groups and that sort of thing uh, uh, there. I've noticed that board game cafes too are a good place sure. to throw up a poster and say, hey, I want to do a play test. Anyone who wants to come out or any other designers, or they often have Facebook pages. Right. And little design communities coalesce around board game Absolutely. cafes. Absolutely, that is yeah. very true. If you're looking for somebody to work with, offer to you know play test somebody else's game for it, and the two of you can start talking. Play testing groups I found are the best place to find. I mean, where? playtesting groups if you find a local group that does playtesting because the people that do play that join playtesting groups are people that they're, they're the people that come to this convention right. so they're generally the kind of people that are looking to do and you know we get talking about collaboration right you know sometimes a lot of people don't look at go out looking for a collaborator but you have an idea they have an idea you put two ideas together three cups and you're happy right peanut butter <laughs> chocolate Thank you. Thank you all. all. Thank Thank you you all for coming. We appreciate it. I always think it's funny when you get to the end of this and you're like, oh, did we just talk for an hour? Yeah, we did. How about that?